Welcome to episode 8 of Coffee with the Johns. We are live from Las Vegas. No? Okay. We're live from San Antonio. Um, today, we have a lot going on. We have uh, some crazy news uh, about delinquencies. And Texas is actually on the docket for a lot of delinquencies. We have some more news about Open Door, malls that are being shut down, where it turned into warehouses, um, PPP forgiveness loans, and what's going on with that. Uh, more jobless claims. Uh, the job market is uh, kind of slowing down. We have news about Disney layoffs, stimulus package, COVID, what a surprise, and more of the vaccine and what's going on with that some news about zoom mr joe rogan is kind of killing it in the game so i mean we got a lot going on today so thank you all for joining us i am your host john barbera and with me as always our co-host mr john Barr. what's up what's up what's up how's it going sir good coffee's kicking in the, the that was ab hasn't remember that shit <laughs> oh, so, like, i watched it the other day on uh i don't remember it was something oh it was uh i popped on something on netflix and they did like a little skit about guy because it goes what's up? It was, dude that was so 10 years ago like yeah, yeah but, well we were actually uh with val we were just cracking up because she was watching i don't know it was a performer or something and that performer comes up and I'm like, damn, she looks old. She's like, well, yeah, she's got to be 50. I was like, shit, she got old. And then I was like, wait, that means that no, we I'm got old. <laughs> That's every day. Like, I'm old. I'm old. I was like, yeah, they don't age on their own. We age yeah. too. I just I was Time like, oh, turn that off. <laughs> I don't want to see the truth. No, no. So thank you all for joining us. Uh, the point of this podcast, of this episode, is uh, like we said, we, we cover the morning. We cover all the headlines, trending news. Things are, you know, affecting the market. And we try to put a lighter spin or more make it relatable to you, where it's not just about, you know, doom and gloom, but kind of how you can prosper and benefit from it. So make sure if you haven't already, subscribe um subscribe so you don't miss any of the future ones that we have and we have everything archived on the channel so if you did miss anything go back and check them out we put links to all of the articles everything that we're talking about we put them below right after we go live so if you wanted to see any of uh last week's links uh make sure you just check out last week's episode so on this week one of those yeah I, i'm man one of these days i'm gonna get the sound effects going what do you need that for? You got me over here. Yeah, right? <laughs> I just can't do that. <laughs> so, I wanted to actually start off with uh, San Antonio. Mm. So, uh, we have uh, this article right here. Houston, San Antonio, Fort Worth, and Austin is actually a further, da a further down. So, if, when you go onto this article, when you check it out um, for yourselves, if you click down here on spreadsheet, you'll be able to actually see all the metros. But... This is, you know, this is crazy. Like uh, what they were talking about in the article and all the stuff. What's, I'm pretty much going to give you the whole summary of the article. But they're talking about 10 metros in seven states present specially large risks due to a combination of the large FHA portfolio containing a high percentage 
of delinquent loans. These are loans that are greater than 70% or seriously delinquent loans greater than 10%. These percentages include loans in forbearance and FHA shares all of the purchase loans in 2019. So, oh, nice. We, uh, uh, good morning, Capital Asset, Kim and Stone. Mr. Stone, welcome back to the show. So it's crazy, right? Like you're, you're seeing all these delinquencies, but what I liked actually is they kind of give you a little tip on marketing. It would be expected that these delinquency, delinquency percentages will increase over time. At some point, a significant percentage of the then delinquent loans would be expected to be placed on the market by owners under duress or distress. There we go. Distress sounds better than duress, right? They're not <laughs> duress. Just, just a little bit. Just a <laughs> so little a bit. A little dyslexic. Um, before, uh, and they're going to become foreclosures. And then enter the market. It is at this point we would expect buyer's market to develop in zip codes with heavy exposure to FHA and other high-risk lending combined with high levels of delinquency. So they're already telling you zip codes with high FHA loans. So if you pay attention to your market as you should be, or you watch the market update that John puts together, Ooh, you're going to know. It's a good topic to add to our market update. Yeah, you're going to know I do, what. I do by zip codes, but I don't do by the type of lending in those zip codes. So it'd be a pretty easy little tweak to do. Mm -hmm. And find which zip codes are heavily on FHA. I mean, I don't know. Should we put that out to everybody or keep that to ourselves? <laughs> um, oh, next of course. Topic, next topic. Yeah, of course. We'll put it out. <laughs> Homeowners in these zip codes will predominantly be low income. Uh, the zip codes will be at about 50 to 90% of area medium income. So those are all stats that you need to be pulling yourself. You need to understand where, and we pull these stats from uh, citydata.org or something like that. You can Google it and they'll provide you with a lot of these stats of the medium income. And, um, and it says, and contain high percentages of households of color. So look for colorful houses um, or not colorful houses. <laughs> so pretty much minorities. And, bad no, joke. Yeah, bad joke. Uh, my, they're pretty much saying minorities, low-income areas. Those are the ones that are going to be hit the hardest. Um, what I was more wanted to talk about with all this, uh, they're giving you some great areas to market, but these distressed homeowners are going to be dumping their properties or going to be forced to dump their properties right onto the market so they don't get foreclosed on and they're going to have to dump them at a discounted price wouldn't that affect the pricing at this point like we've seen the pricing of housing just keep going up and up well and up. it it depends because like right now we're in a massive buy or seller's market mm -hmm. to where if you still have that massive seller's market and you have a continued influx of people, they can put their house on the market and they sell like that. Right. Because like even right now, if you add an extra 500 houses to the monthly inventory, we're still not, we're still below where we were last year. So it, I think it goes into this thing that we're saying, like where the economy is having a kind of a K shape recovery right? to where like your lower middle Lower middle class people are the ones that this is really affecting the most. Like one of our topics we're talking about is the WHO saying that shutdowns are bad. And it's, it's one thing. Stay on task. I, well, <laughs> it is. <laughs> no, but that's yeah, one of the things yeah. they talk about that is like it increases yeah. poverty levels because yeah. the people that get laid off are these people that are talking about in this article. 
and this this um, the, this what the stats they put up, I was kind of shocked that it was only twenty percent of San Antonio lending is FHA. I was like, I don't know. I feel like out of the houses we've sold over the years, like. 80% of them have been FHA, yeah. especially in that sub 200,000 price point because that's your new um, entry-level price point. Mm-hmm. So that is something to where it, it all depends. Like, yes, it is going to have an effect and you would see an effect in the housing, but as long as it doesn't overwhelm the housing market with a flood of them and they're only saying 20% of the houses and, um, and what's delinquent. So... It could not, as long as you have continued people to move into Texas, into San Antonio to buy up that inventory, and they ha- the part where it could hurt them is if they don't have the equity to sell. Because a lot of FHAs, it takes, I mean, you got to get at least ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 of appreciation to, just to cover your closing costs. But if you bought your house two years ago, and you need to sell this thing for two hundred, you bought it for one eighty in two years, you might not have got that appreciation to where now you're really stuck in that thing. Because now even for a creative real estate investor, we can't even go and do a sub two on that because if they put so little money down, it's like, I can't buy the house because there's no cash flow. It's underwater. So it's, you're going to have short sales and short sales and foreclosures rise out of that. Well, I mean, that's still creative real estate, right? I mean, that we've, learned about and we've stayed educated on doing processing short sales uh the biggest thing for us has been though instead of us doing the short sales which is a damn process we find great companies that do them we send it to them and when the short sale has been approved we submit our offer um but and that's kind of what i see but what i'm more leaning towards is you have they're talking about lower income more than anything because that you say you know low to medium income What's medium income anymore? Like what's I'm seeing a larger gap the more this keeps going because the people that have been affected are what the people that work in the service industries, right? Your your waiters, bartenders, your people that work in the retail space as, you know, whatever the people do in the to, retail to, space. So uh, no, no, I mean like the, you know, they hang in the clothes or whatever the hell they do. But uh, lower income and all that has been pretty much wiped away. Yeah. So is this going to create a bigger gap? Like what's going to happen with these people? So these people are not getting paid, right? They're, they have they're It's very hard for them to get jobs because they're all competed, competing essentially for the same jobs. They don't really have much skills in any other area. Mm-hmm. And then you have, what do you call this? Uh, the stimulus packages and all the games that the politicians are playing. So the free money is not coming out and keeping the whole thing going. Bills are still piling up and stacking up like... What's the option for these people? What what's how's that gap gonna look? I, I have no idea. And, and that's like that's the age old question. Um, and that's where a lot of this uh, election is circling around is like the wage gap as it's continuing to grow, continuing to grow. And like and that's where like these stimulus packages they're putting out, bailing out companies that shouldn't be bailed out, it's like that's gonna make the problem worse. And I think yeah. that's one of the things where they did differently with this last stimulus. Like, okay, oh, well, we'll increase unemployment insurance and we'll do the stimulus checks to people that made less than 100 grand combined household income. It's like, okay, now you're getting money to the people that actually need it, not bailing out banks and airlines and these big conglomerates that yeah. 
have high paid employees to where like that just increases the stock market and people with assets go up. But these people that are being affected, they don't have assets. Their only asset is their house. And now their house is being taken from them because now they can't work. They're seriously delinquent and they can't even sell it to get what little equity they've gained. Well, because- you know, you know, what's interesting about that is I, I forgot to add the article, but I'll add the link after this goes live. Um, Kim, if you're listening, remind, uh, remind me to add the link. But I was reading an article how going back to the gap is you have your media, high medium income to high income earners. Um, second homes, all of these are booming right now. Luxury homes are booming. Uh, your top half of the economy is doing extremely well. Very, very well because it's the same thing. It's kind of after the 2008 all these institutions, they got, they all subscribe to the too big to fail model where, yeah, they have to bail out the banks because they tied it to a point where it's like if they don't bail these people out, then the whole economy crumbles down. Well, it, it, well, will, it, it will would, take it a would, hit. It, would, it will yes. take a hit. And it's not good for politicians for that to take a hit. Yeah. Right. It's good for the. So it would suck. It will suck for everybody. But that hit is necessary. Like we talked before. You need that level of austerity to kind of that's, wipe out the, the garbage. That's the true capitalism. It's like if you screw your business up yeah. and you fail and you should be allowed to go to business because what that does is that creates new opportunities and new business models for new people because those people that were going to that company still want that product. There's still a need for that product. Like if the air, half the airlines disappear, yeah, people still want to fly everywhere. So that's going to jack prices up. And then that's going to create an ability for somebody to come in there and find that new equilibrium to create a new company that isn't bloated with debt and bad corporate governance. And that allows for new entrepreneurs, new business owners to go and create opportunity. Right now, when you have those people getting bailed out, it just... It doesn't allow that. So now the entrepreneur that's trying to work and grow up there and like trying to fight his way to the top, you can't compete with somebody that's got the corporate uh, funding that these companies have. So to try to create a startup becomes harder and harder and harder and harder. But now if that goes away, that creates more margin for people to come in and create new businesses, new opportunities for new people and new wealth to new generations. Oh, 100%. I mean, uh, it's not just stuck at the top. Yeah. Where it's has been for a while when they get bailed out it stays there it doesn't trickle they their trickle down economics like eh, doesn't really work the way you sell it well when they first but. launched the the first pvp and the stimulus and everything what were all these major companies doing they were doing stock buybacks i mean that should have never been allowed with government money yeah well that's, that's the the thing with it um the stimulus checks were like under 50,000. It's significantly easier to get that re- forgiven, but like over 150 grand where originally it was going to be everyone under 150 grand. Like they're looking more into that because when you look at the percentages of loans under 50,000 was the vast majority of quantity of loans, but it was a, an insignificant amount of total money lent. Yeah. And so right. now they're investigating these big people of like, where did you spend this? Because now you got these people, these, dumbass people going on like oh look what i did with my ppp loan i went and bought a lambo went and bought a house like how dumb are you that you got this is admitting that like i committed fraud and now i'm going to show off that i committed fraud and how i did it well it, it's it just kind of goes to show how you know everybody thought because this was the word around, around the streets when this whole first hit everybody thought that pretty much that ppp loan was going to be forgiven for everybody right 
across the board. It, there's going to be a million ways of giving yeah, forgiveness. Yeah, it was really like anyone under 150 grand is going to be forgiven. Right. But one thing that we understood and what we were paying attention to, it's like, yeah, you probably shouldn't treat it that way, though, because guess what? They've changed their mind in the past. You can't bet on that yeah. shit. So, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, now they're dropping in. We're going to cover that, but they, they're dropping it to 50 grand underneath 50 grand. But then you still have all these massive companies that took out billions of dollars uh, or hundreds of millions and then did stock buybacks at the beginning. It's well, like you should have you should have been penalized for that shit because well, the money was meant for employees. You know what I mean? So you to keep people employed. Now they're running out of money again. Well, I don't think a lot did stock buybacks with it. The stock buybacks was, it was like at the beginning. Pre, well, that's before yeah. the COVID thing. That's when a lot of um, they're becoming under scrutiny. And but it's also like if you don't do the stock buybacks and you mismanage your money, you risk corporate takeovers. So you kind of have to treat well, that cash because it's just the way the economy's developed and like moved into. I was thinking yeah. about this the other day, to where like they kind of have to do return the money to the shareholders. They have to do stock buybacks because like that is because they can't find a place to put other place to put that capital. So they're kind of incentivized because if you leave too much cash in your balance sheet, it shows that you're mismanaging your company and your ability to your open yourself to corporate scrutiny. So they almost kind of have to do this stuff because nobody anticipated a COVID situation going on to yeah. keep that kind of cash um, heavy. Isn't that and the problem? For, yeah. uh, uh, you're not incentivized to keep that kind of money. And everyone's like, well, why are you having to lay off all these people? You were doing all these corporate buybacks and share and all uh, um, shareholder distributions and things like that. It's like, well, you kind of had to, cause that's the corporate culture. You have to do that. And then, but now it's, it's like their culture. And now you have this issue of when well, they ran out of cash, they couldn't float their employees for mm -hmm. six months. And then the government comes and has to bail them out. It's like, well, not, that just reinforces that behavior. Oh yeah, exactly. So it's just like, God, you just at some point the austerity you talk about, like you just kind of have to let them work through it. Like let it go through the economy. Is it going to suck? Yes, it is going to. Yeah, suck. it's going to hurt. Uh, it it for sure is going to hurt. But you kind of need to like. You got to let this stuff move through, move through the economy. Oh, and, and that's kind of what they're not. They definitely don't want to do. I mean, it, it, we've already seen it. Um, the Democrats, that's pretty much been their whole thing since the beginning is, you know, it, pushing the country more towards the socialism route. Um, and they've come out and said it. Oh, they rebranded. Yeah, they rebranded to democratic yeah, right. socialism because that's different for whatever reason. But then you have the Republicans that have switched over to crony capitalism. So Republicans used to be known for more con being conservative and being capitalist, where now they're not. I mean, look at Trump. Trump is just now, you know, one of the biggest business owners, and he's all free money, free everything. You know, so it's like you have two sides of the same coin damn near. You know what I mean? And it's, uh, it's really sick. And, I mean, going off to the next topic, you can see here, Open door discloses that it's under federal investigation. Not a surprise. Um, but what's more interesting is that little sub headline is they also reported a hundred and eighteen million dollar in net loss in the first half of twenty twenty. Damn. Like I, I mean, you and I know this, right? We we've been saying pretty much that from uh, Open Door for quite a while that we were shocked that a business like this. But that's what they do. They keep raising. More money flooding, you know, 
floating their business pretty much with more money, more money, more rounds of funding and all that because their business model doesn't make money. Yeah. And here you see it, how they lost $118 million in the first half. Holy crap. Well, I mean, that was the thing I, I thought about, like when Tesla was growing, it's like they lost a billion dollars in 2018. That's just, I, I just made that number up, but it was something like hundreds of millions of dollars in one year. Like how does a company grow? Yeah. Or like people keep funding something that loses that much money and something on the iBuyer model that to me is just like you're holding real physical assets to where you are so lucky that this economy didn't go the other direction with the <laughs> housing to where like yeah. if you own 400 houses, not 400, but say they own 100 houses in San Antonio. We have high taxes, high holding costs. Yeah. They're buying these things, cash leverage, however they're doing it. But then all of a sudden, like the market went the other direction. Now it's taking four months to sell a house versus of two weeks. Like that significantly burdens uh, huh? their And you their can ability. tell the, their level of speculation where they, real estate, and at least if, you know, they've been investing correctly, which obviously they haven't. But in the majority of the best metros in the country, real estate has been going up. Yeah. And especially during the first half of the year. And yet you've lost $118 million and already. I mean, well, what they're trying to do is they're trying to, or, and I think this is like kind of how these startups do this, especially that's why I see a lot of them located on the West Coast or East and West Coast, because there's so much money over here to fund these losses. Yeah. Because what they're doing is they're trying to force the market to change via monetary power yeah. that it's like we're going to ingrain and change the psyche of the consumer by putting so much money out there and losing so much money that eventually they carve a 10% market share or a 5% market share. And then just like what they're trying to do, they offer title insurance, escrow, home loans, uh, realty services. They're trying to streamline and create a, a vertical economy scale yeah. where they take a little piece all the way along it and they create just enough of a margin to eke out a profit. But as long as they keep growing and show that their numbers are going, like they can continue to raise money. Because yeah. the thing is, like, eventually they will go public. But and and, and it's really that they're they're trying to. All they need to do is raise enough money to keep them alive long enough for their concept to grab. Well, on. that's where and that's where you look at and then to offload the risk into the public markets yeah uber lyft prime example oh, is yeah. that they grew and grew and grew and those early people made tons of money and then all of a sudden it went public at billions of dollars that now these guys that took the risk up front they can offload that risk onto your average everyday investor your um your big pension funds and oh, things sure. that can buy those stocks that originally couldn't get in at the very beginning so that's that's the risk to it and that's their their business model but i mean you kind of think about it, I just thought of this like in a way, it's letting companies like this run these losses and eventually fail. It is a way of redistributing wealth because they do have to buy these houses from somebody. They do have to hire somebody to do a lot of this stuff. And we know somebody that works at one of these companies and they're like, it's a giant shit show working for there because it is just all over the place trying to throw together last minute. And yeah. somebody, somebody is getting paid to work for these companies to where, I mean, and then the people that are funding in these massive losses are your big venture capital funds in the West Coast. So that money is kind of getting pulled away and redistributed uh, to other areas. It just a oh, it's, a, it's a very interesting business model. But my, I guess, uh, you know, my issue with it is that 
the owners essentially take almost no risk, right? Because they keep borrowing the money. It's all the investors are dumping in all this money. It's a tech company. So at the end of the day, it's like, well, you know, your money's at risk. So it's almost like a game. So then they employ all these people, they do all these things. And then what happens if they do go out of business? Now, all the properties they purchased need to be liquidated at a discount. So that does affect the market. Yeah. You know, while it helps people right now, if their business model doesn't hold up and people don't keep drinking the Kool-Aid, what's going to happen to the, all that property? What's going to happen to all those employees, all those people, right? Well, so because it's being built it? on a house of cards, Sam. Near. Who was it uh, when the crowdfunding thing came very popular two Realty years ago? Shares, Realty shares say. was a big one. And there was another one that they're raising money from individuals to go do crowdfunding investments and things like that. Yeah. And then they went bust. Yeah. Like, well, I bought into this commercial property in Idaho and Boise, Idaho. Like what happened to my money now? Like who takes that over? And like some venture capital came in and bought the thing at a sub-level price and is now, um, so it, it can hurt. Yeah. But I see these I buyers being kind of like that is that, um, especially like open door because they don't have a profitable business. Now you have people like Zillow getting into it. It's like, they are a publicly traded company that is profitable. Yeah. So they have the ability to- Well, they had a different foundation that was already- Yeah, they have a good yeah. foundation. Now they're branching off into something else. And where it might be, they're trying to perfect the model to where when Open Door goes out, they can just say, all right, we'll come buy in your assets at 50 cents on the dollar yeah. and we'll acquire that piece and add it to our business. And because now they have the profit to sustain those losses, not just raise capital, raise capital, raise capital, raise capital, raise capital. You know, and, and, and hopefully- a smaller uh, example of that is actually all the people that we've been seeing popping up with virtually no experience uh, doing syndications for apartment units and apartment buildings. That's, good That's a good one. Right? And they're, I've seen some of their stuff. They send us their performers and you know their projections trying to raise funds. And I'm looking at their numbers and they're so optimistic. Well, with all the returns well, it goes to what we were talking about last month or last week like the interest rates yeah it's like because of falling interest rates these assets are going up it's not because they're creating more value exactly it's like no because of the lower interest rates the money's gotten cheaper and that's pushed up the value mm -hmm. like it's not that you've done a true i mean some people do i mean they do do go in and improve them and charge more rent because they are providing more services but a lot of that is combined with low super low interest rates to where if once that music quits turning like and you have to be forced yeah. to actually create real value not just funny money of just lowering interest rates like yeah you got a real problem because a lot of these people they, they do it they buy them for two three years they do some value add to it and they offload it to the next person yeah and they come in with a new loan uh to do it and just for the fact that we have a super competitive market for those kind of assets and extremely low interest rates like it's bidding prices up so and what i mean i guess what kind of sucks about this whole thing is that we know the inner workings of a lot of these people because we know who these people are that are syndicating and it's like they've struggled in one industry now they're branching off into another industry because it's easy to raise money and it's easy to sell and i'm like oh my god i I, I, one way I kind of hope for the best for them because if not, so many people are getting screwed. But in another way, it's like you're gambling. Yeah, like but... you, you haven't even taken the the time to even educate yourself. I, I was speaking to another investor recently, 
where he wants to get into apartment buildings. But like he says, he's like, I would love to get into syndicating, but I want to make sure I syndicate after I've invested my own money. But, you know, a 20, 30, 50 unit uh, apartment building with my own money, managed it, understood the inner workings and understood what everything is. Then I will go ahead and syndicate. And I'm like, see, that, to me, uh, this is all opinion, right? Yeah. To me, that's the proper way of growing a business. Not, hey, you know, I t attended a weekend seminar. I found out how to syndicate. Let's go do this and start syndicating for these apartments because they're all over the place. It's like, Oh, well, I mean, I think wow. it's it's a. Uh it's the nature of the industry of risk takers. I mean, obviously you have, they have some knowledge, you have somebody wanting to put capital up and they're going to take a risk. Yeah. Hope for the best, obviously that, that it does work out, but it's like, somebody has got to start somewhere with it because like you can't oh, just go sure. work for, for sure. one of these massive companies to syndicate these things very easily and then branch off to go do it yourself. Like it is very difficult because there's no, formal education formal process of how you actually go about doing this there is but there isn't though because like how we got started right we partnered with the people that knew how to do this shit so we made sure that you know if somebody lent us money it was being protected by somebody much savvier than us yeah you know so we always made sure that and and we always gave them the lion's share especially when we were starting off because it's like you are taking a bigger risk than we are you're putting up all the money right so we gave them a, like I think there's a right way of doing it, and I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying I think there's a right way of doing it where you can still learn and still protect these people, yeah. you know. But that's the thing is, as I speak to them, they're like, well, you know, they're they're accredited investors or they they have money, they they know what they're doing, and I'm like, well, but you know that you don't know what you're doing. To me, that's that's not right. Well, I mean, to segue it into the next property, it was like, no, what, I'm how, not segueing. Segue. <laughs> Moving on to the next topic, but how to move into it is like, and what happens when these things go bust is like, it's not like a retail house that we can go sell these things to a retail buyer. It's a very right. liquid market compared to multifamily. When you screw up a multifamily investment, it's not your average person you're going to sell these things to that have an emotional attachment to it. It's like, no, you got to go sell it to another investor who realizes the position you're in, knows yeah. what you're in. Like, mm, I'm not going to offer you that. I'm going to offer you X and you want Z. Like it's yes. like, I'm, you want 1.2. I'm going to offer you 900,000. And, that, uh, and that's precisely and, when people always ask us, why don't you do commercial? It's because real residential single family residential gives you so many outs. Right, yeah. you can do owner finance. You can rent it. I mean, you can it's, do it's, so many it's much ways. Much more. Like people say, like real estate's not a liquid market. Well, it's like, well, in when you compare real estate, single family is the most liquid right. as compared to multifamily, commercial, and multifamily. So it is the most liquid. And, and you can sell. You can sell to retail buyers, but when you're in commercial, yeah. multifamily, who's your buyer? Another investor. Yep. And the bigger you get, the more savvy the investor. Exactly. Get. So if they know that you're hurting. They're going to be buying it for pennies. Yeah. They're well, not going to I offer mean, you retail for it. Well, the next topic here is like turning dead malls into warehouses will slash the value as much as 90%. Exactly. So, I mean, this, this article, when I came across it, I was like, oh, man. I, I mean, it makes sense. It's just something that we've never really spent too much time um, kind of thinking about. But, yeah, I mean, you, you look at these malls that are having to shut down and been shut down for quite some time. And they're saying like, you have these analysts that are projecting like in the coming years, hundreds of American, uh, of Americans, roughly 1100 malls are expected to shut. So hundreds 
of malls are expected to shut down as retail restaurants and movie theater closures pile up and more people favor shopping on the internet over heading to the store especially with this whole covid thing right it's become a lot harder for people to get out and about and then they're talking about when mall vacancies levels reach 20 percent mall is at risk of a tipping into a default and you already have some malls starting to file for bankruptcy so you have the this firm predicted 15 to 17 percent of u.s malls will need to be redeveloped into other uses long term now what i found interesting about the redevelopment that they were saying that the problem is as they redevelop kind of what the headline talks about is if you change from that retail space from that you know high income high lease space now you're slashing the value of the property because now you went from leasing you know and, and these are throwing numbers out there but leasing a, a storefront for twenty thousand dollars a month to now maybe you're leasing you know the whole first floor for that price yeah <laughs> well that's where i saw they're being turned into like distribution centers mm -hmm. and stuff for like amazon and fedex buying these things up and it, i mean it's a prime example of like some people i heard uh i think rick edelman said it's like this is the 21st 20th century investments versus the 21st century investments yeah and you need to understand where the economy is going and where society is heading to make sure that your money is positioned in a way that you can capitalize off of the 21st century kind of stuff versus the 20th century because it is right to where before like you go 10 years ago you're like oh no i wouldn't buy online like and, and that's where the problem with it was like i want to try it on because then it's such a pain to return but amazon has come along and said return it we'll cover the costs yeah. and it's like well fedex like you just gotta we'll print the label off it's paid for you just gotta go drop the thing off to where it's that easy to go I'm like all right i'm gonna buy six shirts because like we've done it we were going on a ski trip we're like i need to get pants that fit i was like but i don't have time to go try them on so bought six different pants sizes and styles tried the one on that fit and returned the other five yeah and it's like that's a pretty awesome way to instead of going to the store going to multiple places to try to try on different pants different prices different everything i can see everything online order it all and get it returned yeah. to where i think a lot of these big retail stores the only way they're going to survive is they're going to have to do stuff like that but they well, don't have the innovation to do it so we talked about we've i mean we didn't have coffee with the johns before but you and i have spoken about this plenty of times in the last couple of years and all all it's been is that COVID sped this up. Yeah. COVID oh, yeah, has sure. sped up pretty it. much. Yeah. It is sped up the, the already dying that these were, these companies were going through. But what was interesting is that we were starting to see before COVID how a lot of these um, malls were already shifting their models. Yeah. They're already starting to add more of uh you know, you, you don't go to the mall just for retail. You had more stuff going on. You had more in restaurants. The, well, the problem is, you had more restaurants, movie theaters, entertainment things well, showing anything up. Anything that and then needs COVID to comes along, whoop, we're just gonna wipe that away too. You're, yeah. We get you're trying to shift, but nah, just kidding, can't do that. Well, but it, 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 but it it does open up. It, like, because a lot of these like movie theaters, retails, these people aren't getting bailed out. I mean, yeah. AMC, I think, when the big movie theater chains just filed bankruptcy, to where the other ones are. Saying if we don't get this figured out, we're gonna go bankrupt as well uh, by the end of the year if like we don't shift these models. 
And uh, that is going to clear the way for new experiences to kind of come along and new things to fill those voids to where it's like they're talking only 20% of malls. So like there's still 80% of malls are going to shift the model and go to something else. So it was already the bad performers that were poised for the year 20th century uh, style returns when now they're shifting over to something new where they might come up with a new profit model. And become the new thing. Yeah, that- but you got to understand that, like, kind of what I see is the same thing that I've been saying since the COVID hit, is that this is having a rippling effect across all these retail industries, right? So while, yes, they're talking about 20%, there's still no end in sight with all this. I mean, well, this is something that, you know, <laughs> but there's no, it doesn't seem to be an end in sight. This is, you know, even 20% of the malls, that's huge unemployment. Again, the lower income people, you're more, you know, uh, blue collar workers and all of that. Yep. They're all being rushed back into the workforce. Everybody's competing after the same. I mean, I remember in 2008 how they were saying uh, in New York, they had like almost 8,000 applications for one janitorial job opening in the city. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of what you're going to be seeing, you know, that, that you're going to have a lot of people going after mm-hmm. the same jobs because well, they the, don't have the qualifications. Well, the so, problem is, the, no, they have too many qualifications for that job is the problem. Because well, then that, that's on the, the other, other side. side where yeah. like you have 8,000 people that apply for the job, but 7,950 of them, they're not going to hire because like you're too qualified. I want to hire somebody that's going to stay in this job. But I don't want to hire somebody yeah. that's going to move. As soon as a better job comes along, they have the abilities and qualifications yeah. to jump. The issue is that they're too qualified by an industry that is, that is not existing right now. So you have people in the event space. You have people airline pilots you know like yes you're a pilot and you are used to making you know six figures a year yet now you probably got it and what happened in 08 pilots were stocking shelves at home depot right i mean the majority of the uh, they they get expendable positions that they get an immediate return off of to like car salesmen it's like it doesn't it's commission commission based or hour like lower hourly yeah to where it's like yeah you I, if you quit tomorrow, I can bit, put, bring somebody in here in a very relatively short period of time. That company starts seeing a return on their investment on the training it takes. Yeah. But to bring somebody in to entry-level management from a completely separate industry, it's like it takes years to get a return off of that. That Usually off the yeah. training, the time to get them to start performing to fit into the system. But if they know in six months to a year you're going to leave. like, Well, mm-hmm. you know, uh, some good news is Prime Homes will be looking to buy a plane soon. So any pilots looking for a job? Uh, we got some some acquisitions jobs opening so up. G six, uh, baby. Yeah, G6. get a little plane, uh, <laughs> kind of start uh, globe trotting. But I mean, this this is a real issue. This is crazy. Um, for the building owners, it's gonna make sense to redevelop and change what their the mall is. The problem is, it's gonna come across where maybe the land is even more expensive taxes or whatever than whatever the hell you redevelop to. So even the redeveloping options, I mean, you, you saw the Amazon fulfillment center that we have in San Marcos, they build a way the hell out there in some piece of land. Cause it doesn't it's matter as a field. Yeah. yeah. It, it just doesn't matter where they build it. It's a distribution center. Yeah. Malls are more strategically located within cities, right? Where it's and more accessible. So that's prime real estate space and you're probably paying that prime real estate tax for it. Yep. So what are you going to redevelop to? That's well, going to return gonna that be, it, They're just going to have to go to the city and just be or municipalities and just yeah. be like, 
you now want, that you hurts want, the municipality exactly. though. It's like you want to own this thing is like or like you're not in the business of owning yeah. commercial property. Like they're going to be some negotiations with that. It's like we need to lower these taxes to a level that is sustainable. And it is in like this thing we said when we started this, the longer this goes on, the more and more problems that are going to rise from it. But they want, I can't remember. I saw just briefly saw it this morning that one of the vaccines was saying like, no, we have a really good chance of, getting something approved by November for they're applying for emergency approval through the FDA because their trials are becoming successful to where that they can get it out to where like it's a start of moving to restoring confidence and getting things going. Cause that is good news. Even though a lot oh, of people say, yeah. uh, Oh my God, I don't want to take vaccines, but now the more they get out there, the more the news shifts their narrative it, it will eventually work well, through. But the, the thing is talking. that a lot of people are saying that, but when you tell people like, well, you either get a vaccine or you just stay unemployed. I bet you a lot more people are going to be like, you know what? Screw it. I'm taking a vaccine. Yeah. You know, just well, how I mean, the flu shot and a I lot think, of companies uh, have been and everything. Like if you don't get the flu shot, you can't go to work. Well, Biden came out and said, like, I think government should make it mandatory to get a vaccine. There you go. Uh, it's like, if it becomes oh, president and they make it mandatory. It's like, well, like, like you talk about, they can't say, okay, we're not going to make it mandatory. You just can't go do, do do anything unless you have the bracelet that says that you got the vaccine or you have the scanner or on your or RDF or chip. Yeah. Something now that, they start chipping us. Where are my, yeah. where are my aluminum uh, helmets? Have, yeah. Then you have that. Uh, start like, the conspiracy oh, theories. RFDA or is it one of those chips or is it one of the things that you can push a button at will and you just fall over it but could be anything who knows? you don't we'll, know we'll, we'll move on from, we'll move on from that this is, the, this is the it's just show. jokes people don't freak out we're joking but um <laughs> the next point is uh sba and the treasury announced simpler uh the ppp forgiveness for loans of 50 or less so you know th this is interesting um it's good for a lot of small business owners but one of the biggest uh things that I found interesting from this article is that SBA has received 96,000 requests, right? For the PPP loan, which represents 2% of all of the PPP loans. So they've gotten 96,000 requests, but they've only lent out to 2% of that. That's insane. Okay, I mean, wait, explain that. So 96,000 requests for what? More money or? For the PPP loans. For SBA loans. SB, yeah, SBA loans. Huh. I, like, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't. Those numbers do seem And then shocking. not one of the forgiveness applications has been approved yet. Oh, they weren't taking applications yet. Like they, I think it's just now within the last week or two, they're saying, that, okay, we're going to start accepting applications yeah. for forgiveness because they kept changing it. Oh. I was like, everything under 150 is going to get it. Oh, then we're not going to do that. Now it's down to 50. Oh, we have this long drawn out process of how you get it forgiven. Now it's down to just a one page application for forgiveness of the 50 grand or less, because right. that's what I said. Like, basically, if you got something for 50 grand or less and you just fill out this paperwork, they're like, they're not even going to check into that or, um, look into it so yeah i mean it, it's going to be difficult it's going to be interesting to see because if those numbers are accurate of course this is you know part of a um uh the washington journal article too and if ninety six thousand requests were sent in and only two percent of the loans were given that's a lot of businesses 
that's a lot of loans that did not receive a loan. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's insane. That's a crazy amount. What, what is that going to look like? What is that going to reflect moving forward? You know what I mean? With, with all these loans. And then you have all these people that are not being forgiven moving forward because they bought the Lamborghinis. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> and they're going to have to start paying these loans back. What, what was it though? The PPP, what was it like 1% though over uh, interest? If you had to pay it back. Yeah, it was like 1% over two years. And yeah. you had to pay it back. So, so I like, mean, it's not insane, but you do have to pay the loan back. So if your business hasn't been profitable, if that PPP loan didn't generate any revenue, any income, um, and you didn't use it wisely because you were buying, you know, Lamborghinis and going on vacation just to look Instagram famous, like, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a, a difficult time for a lot of business owners. So they were saying, um, I believe uh, part of the article, they were saying, you know, the ultimate success of the program will depend on forgiveness. So small business owners are eager to learn of the decision. I don't know. Yeah, I'd be curious to look more into that 96,000 because I'm reading it here. Oh, PPP yeah. has provided 5.2 million loans worth 525 billion. So what is the 96,000 aspect yeah, portion I, of it? I, I was looking 2%. at it and I was like, what does this mean? Or is this like new application process? Is and it, it might be that you know, because I know they're trying to release more a money, second a second it. round of it. But yeah. that's one of the things that's gridlocked. As I said, they still got 150 billion. Like more people are trying to apply for this, yeah. but they can't approve it. They can't release it because the CARES Act ended and the window closed. So they're trying to open up, say, at least let us release this piece of money to this company, these businesses that really need it. Yeah, because so, the, the last time they were allowed to release was, uh, uh, the deadline was like August 8th or yeah, something. Yeah, something so. like around the end of July. August, so, so, and I mean, yeah. In that next headline, what was it? Um, the jobless claims. Mm. That the jobless claims jumped because the economists were expecting new jobless claims. People that were applying for the first time was only going to be 830,000, but it was 898,000. But if you just read that headline, this is jobless claims jump hitting highest level since mid-August. You would think like, oh, crap, the economy is actually is doing worse. But they actually come out and say it's like, well, yes, the numbers are higher on new claims, but the number that really matters is the continued claims. People that are continued to get unemployment and what that number month over month, week over week is really representing. Right. And uh, they came in to say that, uh, where was it? Although the absolute levels of claims remains well above the pre-pandemic level, the declining trend of continued claims is more important to watch. Citigroup economist Andrew Hollenhorst said in a note, the decline in claims over the past few weeks, even after netting out those who transferred to federal uh, PEUC, is encouraging point to still robust rehiring in late September and should continue into Q4. So, Yes, new claims are coming in at a higher rate, but the overall continued claims is still continuing to fall faster than new claims coming in. So it is showing that the economy is still recovering, but it's kind of the clouds on the horizon kind of thing. It's like, okay, well, this I think it's proof that they're saying like another round of this stimulus is needed to curb that slowing because yes, we're hiring people back at a faster rate, but we are having some problems where the unemployment is starting to rise to where if those new claims continue to rise, you will see those continue to claim to start to follow it and continue to rise back up because businesses aren't hiring that velocity of money isn't transacting and moving as fast. So that was something that I, I found um, interesting to show like, Hey, numbers are rising, but the continued claims are continuing to fall and they are expecting it to move into Q4. So, I mean, that's, that's really the kind of the thing that we've talked about is, as much as 
uh, at the end of the day, these are headlines, right? Uh, that's what they're trying to sell with the headlines. That's why you got to read the articles. You got to, you know, do your own research and figure this stuff out for yourself. Because the uh, one thing I've, um, I remember talking to a reporter and they were telling me, we write the articles, but somebody else writes the headlines. Yeah. We don't write the headlines because it's not about. Yeah, you have a marketing you, specialist writing exactly. the headline and the journalist writing the article. And they go through and go, mm, yeah, let's pull this piece out. And so we and, can the, and the headline could be just such a small piece of the whole How many times does it article? pissed you off when you look at an article? You're like, oh, that's an interesting headline. Then you read it like. I just wasted four minutes of my life yeah. like reading this article that had nothing to do with the headline. Like, you bastards. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but it, it just goes to show, though, as well, that the economy is still on very shaky ground. I mean, this stuff with the unemployment, with people uh, needing more more loans, more PPP, more of the stimulus checks, more unemployment, right? I mean, these are people that are you kind of gave them a taste of free money and just staying home and getting paid more than you were making at your job. Yeah. And now they're like, Oh, that's stopped. So you have more people hitting the job market, but then the jobs aren't able to open. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those things that I actually forgot. I wanted to start off with this. Um, but now that I remember, I was like, I know there was something I wanted to say before, but <laughs> In San Antonio, you moved my article. I didn't touch it. Um, you moved it. But, damn it, John, you're fired. What article? I didn't you're touch any You're fired. Of them. Did you forget to put the article in here? No. I don't forget anything. Mm. I have an amazing memory. Do you? Um, know? Yeah, I think so. But anyway, the article was pretty much bars are opening back up in San Antonio, right? Big celebration for a lot of uh, people that I know. Woo! Big deal for a lot of people. Um, but it was interesting reading the article because those uh, bar owners saying, first of all, you shut us down, right? Without having really any facts showing that bars are an issue, yeah. you know? And we can argue that all day long because people are in close proximity. It's like, how the hell are you not going to contaminate people? But whatever. Bars were shut down. All that happened. Then you have bars that found the loophole of they just have to well, sell. Well, they didn't find the loophole. They lowered the bar for a restaurant because you had to, if you sold 51% of your revenue came from alcohol, you were a bar. And they lowered that all the way down to like 30%. And then they allowed you to take food trucks into that calculation. Oh, and they were jacking up the prices of the food. But it's really you're paying for the alcohol just to show that they were making more of their revenue on the food. It just shows that uh, business owners, entrepreneurs, they'll find a way. Exactly. <laughs> They're like, I but, see your law. Let's just let's move this and do this. Like, hey, you buy a sandwich, you get a free beer. Just yeah. The sandwich costs you X number of dollars. I saw that in Austin. Um, I went to there in like in East Austin. There was a spot where you couldn't sell alcohol like in this certain zone. It was weird. Mm. Um, but if you went and bought Austin is weird. It was uh it was a brewery over there and but if you went to the brewery and you ordered or you bought a glassware, if you ordered a pint glass from them with their logo, you gotta keep the pint glass, but with the pint glass came four wooden chips. Just so happens that those four wooden chips were redeemable for a beer in the glass that you just <laughs> bought and the glass cost you twenty dollars. So I was like What a quinkity. Wow, you get a you get a free glass. Right. Uh you pay twenty dollars for this glass and you get four beers at so it's five dollars a beer like how that worked out and they found the way and they have a, a full-fledged brewery right there in this district where you're not allowed to sell alcohol 
but they're not selling alcohol. They're selling yeah. glassware. Just with the glassware comes a chip for free beer. Yeah, and I mean, you have uh, – it's just that, right? It's entrepreneurs that are real entrepreneurs. They adjust. They adapt. I mean, when they first came out, I was uh, it was a pizzerias that we were looking at, and they were giving away – not giving away, but they were selling – make your own pizza at home boxes yeah right so they will sell you a box of like the dough the sauce the cheese the condiments whatever you wanted for one flat rate and you can come by you pick it up and they had instructions on how to make it at home so they were innovating they were being smart about how to do it. a lot of them turned into carry out only right yeah a lot of bars adjusted and they were like yeah we're still open we're just takeout only you take your drinks you order a bunch, whatever mix, whatever you like, and you take it. Uh, Mirasol and Soluna here in, in San Antonio, they're yeah, they doing like by like the gallons, their their margaritas and stuff it's like that. It's not a margarita, it's a cheese bug. Get it right. Yeah, whatever. They're all crap. Um, but <laughs> I, I don't like sugar drinks. But it was it was adapting. But some bar owners are so pissed because they open up the bars, but they're saying that you know you still have the fifty percent and all these other limitations. They're like. The issue that we have now is that we got to catch up yeah. to everything that was lost. And you're opening us up with literally both hands tied behind our backs. So it's like, yes, you we're open now, but it's still not enough. Yeah. Like, and it's kind of what we talked about the restaurants in New York City and all that. With the, well, the, they come out the said like at 50%. It's like, I still can't sustain at 50%. No. Like it prolongs the pain. It keeps you going longer to maybe it's like, it's just that. Can it, you it's hold an illusion on, almost. Can you hold on long enough to where the economy comes back? And I mean, it can move right into the next thing where they're trying to get these, these uh, stimuluses back in there or Trump offering to raise his bid to where he was at 1.6 and the Democrats are at 2.2 and he's saying I'll raise it to 1.8 trillion to try to get this gridlock there's a lot of stuff like every day the past two weeks it's been flip-flopping where Trump was like oh we're just going to call off until after the election no stimulus till after the election then two days later actually we're going to increase our bid to 1.8 trillion yeah and the the Democrats won't lower below 2.2. They're saying it doesn't go far enough. So what the actual sticking points are, I don't know. We can all read the headlines that they said it was the testing. And now the Republicans are coming out and saying that, all right, we're not going to hold this up over the testing of or the language of the testing. And uh, I saw something come across last night that Steve Mnuchin is now the Treasury Secretary saying we have agreed on the language for their testing that they're wanting to do. So it's like, okay, so does this still go through then or not? Because I, who do you believe? No one knows, but they're saying that they're still wanting a bunch of money to bail out the poorly rung municipalities and states Yeah, that uh, are like the more blue uh, states. They want more money for them, and but the red states don't need as much because their economies are moving along a little better or they're op more open. Um, I don't know. But the thing is, the, the fiscally well, conservative you are talking about earlier about the Republicans, yeah. like just because the president and the treasure, treasury agree doesn't mean the Republicans in the Senate agree. They come out and said like they wanted less than a trillion to begin with. Yeah. And now they're saying oh, we're going to up, 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 up. And now you have the White House agreeing with the Democrats and the treasury. But if you can't get those 53 senators in the how, or, um, Senate to agree, this bill goes nowhere. But I, I think this is a lot of weakness from Trump where 
you know, stick to your guns if you really believe that's what's best for America. Yeah. But obviously, he, he was actually, he said it a few times during that uh, interview of um, of the increasing the stimulus where he says, go big or go home. Because he knows if he doesn't match the offer that the Democrats are offering people of the free money, free checks, free everything, um, he's not going to get elected. Because yeah. people are hurting right now. People, there's a lot of people hurting. There's a lot of people scared. And if somebody's coming around saying, hey, I got you. I'll take care of you. I'll give you the money you need. We'll race back to the 600 a week. Even though I believe that is terrible for the country. Especially 600 a week. Yeah. Like, but it, that's terrible for the country. But regardless of that, you it's know. All political. The, you got to get those votes. People want it. People need it. You know what I mean? And now Trump is bending and he's going to up it from, you know, yeah, at first I think it was 800 million that he was looking at, um, no, 800 billion. That yeah, he was looking, 800 million. That yeah, very it far in a small. <laughs> um, yeah, $800 million is a small amount of money. But now he's saying, you know, what he wants is Pelosi to remove the all of these things that she's added into the bill that have nothing to do with stimulus. Yeah. Right. She, they've added, they're trying to make this stimulus bill so they can pass other, apparently other policies and stuff. Well, they were original was that like 3.4 trillion yeah. was their heroes act. And now they're all the way down to 2.2, but it's, just, it's part of those negotiations where they shoot for the moon and they're like, okay, we'll give you this, 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 this. Yeah. But I don't know. It's all, a, I, you can't follow it anymore. Cause every day something new comes out every hour, something new comes out. Oh, they're not going to talk anymore. They're still so far away from the deal. If they don't see it happening before the election, then all of a sudden, Oh, actually we're making some ground. Some things yeah. are coming through. So I don't know. You can spend all day and get nowhere, uh, following politics. Well, I mean, one article that we kind of skipped over is, uh, actually the, uh, Senator Warren slams, uh, Disney for layoffs and executive salaries. So, you know, Disney in Disneyland in California, because of the shutdown and everything, they've been they had to close down. And I think what what were they talking about? Like 30,000 employees? 20, yeah, like 28,000 employees they laid off. Insane. And this just goes back to like where these senators are like all mad at companies. Like yeah. You paid you bought back all this stock. You paid your executives so much money leading up to the pandemic. And now you're laying people off. I was like, well, for one they're closing it because Disney world located in Florida is open. They're not laying anybody off in Disney world, Disneyland, California is still completely shut down. And they said, they're not opening them back up. That's what prompted them to lay off all the people. Like we've been keeping them, uh, uh even though they're furloughed, we've been maintaining. And she's, con she congratulated them saying, Hey, thank you for keeping their, uh, benefits going for their health insurance and stuff like that. But now they're officially laying them off. It's like, they're six months into this thing. Like they can't yeah. keep them on forever. It's like, you need to open back up. And that's where I was going back before of like, you can't judge what they're doing now versus what happened a year ago, because that was completely different from what happened a year ago. And then just flip-flopping uh, back and forth to where even the trailing into like the WHO coming yeah. out and now saying that lockdowns are, don't do lockdowns. They, they cause too much economic damage. It's like, no, what? Like, wow. No what, a, what a way to flip flop and saying, Oh, now don't shut down either. Uh, that causes more problems, but you still have people like it's just the hypocrisy of it. It's like, Oh, we need to follow the science. We need to follow all these experts. But now the experts don't follow their narrative coming out saying, don't do the lockdowns, yep. but they stay locked down. They're like, 
well, we don't know what kind of science they're following. Oh, it's Trump pressuring these people to open up. And they're like, like, oh, my God, you change the narrative constantly. Well, what was interesting is this week I had a doctor's appointment, and I'm talking to a doctor. You know, we're both sitting in there. Masks weren't really on. Um, yeah. Weren't really on or weren't? I don't know how you could weren't really on them. I'll leave it yeah, there. You, have a, you, had, a chin, you had a chin I, I diaper? I don't know. I don't know. I'll, I'll leave a, it there. called it a chin diaper. But I, just kept it down I was like, when is this whole mask thing going to be over? Like, you know, in the medical sense, and I'm saying more of when's it going to be at what point are we just going to stop needing to wear masks and all that? He says, look, it, this is very simple. Viruses don't go away. You either create a vaccine or it needs to go through the population. He says the problem is that this whole pandemic was treated polit politically. It wasn't done through science. It wasn't done through what we know as doctors. He says at the first shutdown, he's like, it made perfect sense because it was new. Nobody knew what the hell was going on, and it was spreading really, really fast. So they needed a shutdown to have some time to like stable off. That was done. We got a lot of data from that. We know who is at risk and who is not at risk. Right. So he says what should have happened is the people at risk are protected. They stay home. They take proper measures. But the people that are not at risk of dying, of having any severe uh, side effects to COVID, he says those people need to be going out and about because it needs to spread. It needs to go through the whole uh, mm -hmm. uh, community because once it hits 65, 70 percent of the population, it stops spreading because once you've had it, it doesn't you supposedly you don't get it again. They're like, you're not going to be getting this virus again, even though there's rumors everywhere that some there's people five get... people around the world supposedly that right. have said they that have confirmed they've gotten it twice. Yeah, like five people out of the five million that. have. Well, gotten and then it. it could have been too how we covered a while back is that maybe the first test was wrong. Maybe they didn't have it the first time. Yeah, they caught the flu the first you, time or they had know, the flu this time. And they're it, saying it's, it could it's be a COVID. lot of things. Like, but what he's saying, he's like, so you have that route, which we obviously didn't take. Now we are closer to a vaccine. He says, which at this point, it's like you might as well just wait for the vaccine to come out. He's like, you don't want to be that. You know, he gave the analogy. He's like, you don't want to be that last uh, uh, troop that gets killed right before the war ends. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's like, you know, you don't want to be that person. You don't want yeah. to risk it. So it, it is just one of the things like back to this article that they said that, um, the World Health Organization has warned leaders against relying on COVID-19 lockdowns to tackle outbreaks after previously saying countries should be careful how quickly they reopen. It just shows that the flip-flop, like everyone says, rely on the yeah. science. Like the scientists don't know. It's a new thing that constantly changes. And that, that's what I hate how political this is becoming. It's that lockdowns just have one consequence that you must never, ever belittle. And that is making poor people an awful lot poorer. As like, and that hmm. is what's happening with this like K-shaped recovery with the delinquencies like we've talked about. I mean, all through this, like the last several weeks, we've been talking about this. Like yeah. that is what is happening with these lockdowns. The the way like we need to shut it down. It's like small businesses that employ 75% of the country can't withstand these shutdowns. And then when the people get laid off, the business owners go bust. And it's like, and that caused damage that is unimaginable. And where all this stuff is tied in or... It, it, it gets annoying at times when everyone's like, oh, we need to shut it down. We need to listen to science and everything like, yeah, but even the scientists are now coming out because scientists think on a science basis, not economically. And now they're realizing like, huh, well, when people become poorer, 
science and health shows that suicides raise alcohol is alcoholism raises malnutrition raises food lines get longer like Domestic now the science abuse. is coming back around i mean like yeah there is that side effect time where the people that thought about it economically first science second were like they saw that coming they're like yeah we can't shut down like the stuff that is going to come from that what's going to happen all that stuff they said is coming true to yeah. where every that's where the political side of it, it where it's like Democrats want to say rely on the science, Republicans seem want to say rely on the economic data, and now they're kind of coming back around to the very end of this well, whole ordeal. It, it's kind of like, that that thing that upsets me every time I hear a politician, and we have the 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 one here in San Antonio, uh, Nutterbugger, whatever the hell his name is. You need to get his name right, it's Nuremberg. No, screw him. But when he comes out and says, you know, losing one life isn't acceptable, like. How ignorant are you? It's like you're, you are gonna lose one life. You know the risk is still there, but what you gotta look at is the overall thing. Stop trying to be so high and mighty with your thoughts, and you're pushing out all this ignorance of like, no, one life is acceptable if we're saving millions. Like at some point, and I get it sounds terrible, and obviously nobody wants to hear it. But we need to talk the truth as well. Like, we can't be afraid of saying what it is. It's like, are people going to die? Yes. Some people are going to die, and it's going to suck. Nobody wants that to happen. Nobody wants you to lose your grandparents, your father, your mother, your yeah. friend. Your Nobody wants that. None of us do. But at the end of the day, you have to look at the overall world, and that's where politicians don't care for that because well, they they're only worried about on that it. next they got to capitalize it. Where it's like, it'd be very... No, you, we could never get there. But to see, like, what the actual study was of the harm of going both directions. Yeah. Uh, and saying, like, all right, if we would have opened up and gone this way, like, what would it have done? What were the actual results of people that died? Not saying, no, they really had a lot of other issues, and they they had stage four terminal cancer, and then oh, they caught COVID, yeah. and then they yeah. died. It's like, well, they were already going to pass this. Just this is what Accelerated got them. It. And to where like you remove the politics like what was the actual way to handle it? especially like the election year like if this wouldn't have been an election year like how different would this have actually mm -hmm. been because you have people like when trump sh stopped travel from china democrats came in like oh you're a, a xenophobe i think they call them it's like you're a racist you're you're single you're pu pushing out that sp specific organization you're blaming them it's like because it was them and he did shut it down but now they're saying oh the way you mismanaged the pandemic like Wait, you were criticizing him at first for trying to handle it, but now you're going back and saying the way he handled it isn't the right way, and now you're saying you would have shut it down sooner. Like, like God, come on. But well, no, they're trying uh, to capitalize Politically, for nobody's their... going to win. No. Because politically, I mean, they they keep blaming each other. They keep push, putting blame and everything, and yet this is what, I, what we keep saying is that while these people are pushing blame and doing their whole game, we're the ones being affected. Yeah, We're the ones well, that's that where you start to see more and more people being like, even in the politicians, like even the Democratic side just coming yeah. out and saying like, Pelosi, take the damn deal. Yeah. Like, we need to quit screwing around with all this stuff and putting such a hard nose thing. Like, people need help. And, but it's like, they're still trying to play the politics with it. But that is their job is to play politics because they have to stay in power. Angie Francis says, what did I just walk into? Politics? Nope, we'll change it now. So real estate, yes. uh, brokerage <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> Brokerages are awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yes, Angie, we're talking a little politics because it, it affects the business. And, uh, and it is something that 
I, you and I were talking about it yesterday as we were kind of going over what we were going to be speaking about in today's episode. And it was just, I'm tired of the politics, right? Yeah. But we, it affects the way we operate business and you need to be aware of it because it's going to affect the way you're going to keep operating. You can't ignore it. Like if you're a business owner, you have to pay attention to some form of politics yeah. and what is happening in a national level, state level, local level, and your specific business. Like it's all connected to where if you stick your head in the sand and something comes along and changes like, well, where'd that come from? You need to be able to prepare yourself of what is coming. And currently, I mean, just like the market report, like, you can't be a business owner and just say, I'm just going to do my one thing. Like you need to be able to understand your, your surroundings and see what's coming off in the future. Because I don't feel bad for you if you don't pay attention at all. And something comes along and swipes this thing away and yeah. you're like, where'd my business go? It's like, and I mean, well, it was kind of coming. And yeah. And if you haven't already, you know, the link will be below of uh, this month's market update. Uh, you got to look at it. You got to understand what is the market doing? How are the prices moving? And actually, next connected. week, we're going to be posting uh, an episode that we recorded at one of the properties because we were paying attention to the data and we made nearly 40 grand in about a week flipping a house. And we didn't use the normal strategies we normally use because we looked at the data, we looked at what it was. And we saw we can generate more income by doing a different strategy. Oh, it's like it would take less risk and generate yeah. the same amount so of money. So that episode is going to be going live, I uh, believe, like Tuesday night or Wednesday. So make sure, again, subscribe uh, so you don't miss it. Hit that little bell button. Um, that way it gives you notifications when new episodes are posted. Hit the like button. Hit the like button. There's okay. 15 people watching and only six likes. I'm muting John's mic, so don't worry. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's just it's one of those things that, like, pay attention understand what it is and here's one of the companies that is actually doing precisely that we have zoom that will start letting people host online events with paid admissions so this is big this is really big because up until now we've actually uh we're we're going to be putting together workshops and stuff like that on strategies we're going to be breaking down a, a lot of things because we just what we've been seeing a lot in the market is terrible workshops terrible education of things that just don't work or you spend two hours in a workshop and you finish and you're like what the hell did they just say like yeah. what what's the purpose so no real education is being put out so we wanted to start putting out workshops but when we started seeing like what platforms to use my god like you got to be half a nerd to be able to link all these platforms together so <laughs> you spend can, an entire day trying to get yeah, it totally together yeah just so work. you can You're be like, able to like, put a damn workshop together so zoom doing this is genius because they are one of the it's biggest also platforms kind of those things like how did you not have that beforehand? <laughs> well, Come on. But it's, you did look at what happened to them this year. They were like, holy shit. Well, and they've now been killing it. Well, it's like the number one go-to platform now yeah. that, uh, I mean, before this, I had never even really heard of Zoom. Like, if I did, it was just kind of like, oh, and just passing. But I wasn't using Zoom, but now their stock price is up 600% this year alone. And they have yeah. some like 300 million daily call participants. Like, that's a lot. We only have 330 million people in the entire United States. And you're saying 300 million daily active users? Oh, it's insane. Because like, like, all the school systems, like their infrastructure that they just had to boost up, like that was insane. Like it great for Zoom, but my God, how stressful the last six months must have been like for coders and, and uh, the people having to build the code to withstand that kind of infrastructure. Like, whew. Well, and I mean, it's 
damn the wind is strong um it, it's just it goes to show though like when you have a real business owner that's paying attention how they pivot zoom has been killing it yeah right you would think uh, like a lot of other companies they're killing it we'll just sit back enjoy this ride yeah no they're like all right what's next what's the next thing people are needing what's a how can we improve how can we make this better and zoom has been improving every step of the way i mean i'm i'm always following zoom because i'm always on zoom calls so i'm seeing all the stuff and you have not just zoom but you also have like iphone has been um well not iphone themselves but they've created apps now that you can use your iphone as a webcam so if you have a shitty webcam or you don't have a webcam but you have a phone and i'm saying iphone but i'm sure android uh is copying them i mean come out with something similar uh, just a little bash at I, uh, android people um but i've you know you can use your phone as webcams right and what's the purpose is so you can integrate it with zoom so now your calls are better quality yeah uh, you can use uh different filters you can all these other things that they're doing on, on zoom and platforms and then apps they're adapting yeah they're providing you with the tools with the resources to make better use of what you have available and we go back to true capitalism true entrepreneurism and that's what it is. It's figuring out instead of sitting there and whining about how terrible is everything is, you adapt, you yeah. pivot, you make. Well, we had somebody comment that said Zoom is slowly becoming a platform for access to all manner of real estate information. I don't think it's just real estate information. I think it's all information that uh, I mean, school systems. Like I haven't heard of a single school system that is opening back up that isn't using Zoom. Yeah that is trying to do digital online classes and stuff like that. Now what's zoom, what's going to happen is, and I think they're using this money and stuff that they're, they just raised their success to make sure they're pivoting their platform. Like you're talking about, because as people go back to in school, cause I think I wouldn't, I'd venture to say that at least half of those 300 million are school systems using them to educate kids. Mm -hmm. Well, they're not going to continue to do that forever. Like in school is far superior to doing oh, it via a classroom. Kids so are now, not engaged. They're so not. as those things continue to fall off, like yeah. they need to be able to replace that income with something new because there are platforms out there that do allow people to pay to attend classes. And they're trying to go after that market share to where I think I put it in this article. Mm -hmm. Well, some of the other competitors that they have, they are allowing charging and stuff like that. Yeah. But now Zoom is integrating it because like, they need to pivot because they saw the growth, but and they got a huge market share. They need to make sure they maintain that market share. And that's and really it. They, they, got this, they got the momentum going, right? Zoom is like the leader right now where other platforms can come out with the same or better features. But as long as Zoom doesn't necessarily need to be innovating above them, as long as Zoom implements it along everybody else, they still stay superior because it's like everything. Like, you know, we always talk about Android and iPhones, right? How yeah. Android has a lot of stuff that then Andro uh, iPhone comes out with. iPhone still has a large market share. You know, I don't know if it's larger than Android worldwide, but in the U.S. it is pretty big. So iPhone doesn't need to necessarily innovate. They need to see what Android did. Did it work? Did it not work? What's the response? And then they implement it in the platform and they keep all their users happy. Yeah, that's all it is. And Zoom needs to do the same thing. And this is something where I think a lot of RIAs have missed the boat on is a lot of RIAs. Well, a lot of guru led RIAs went out like they didn't even try anymore. As soon as networking shut down and they couldn't keep scamming people into their courses, they shut down. 
And then you have the other RIAs or networking groups have stayed uh, available and they've been doing like Zoom events. They're missing a huge opportunity because the biggest thing that's missing is the networking aspect. Yeah. Right. And this is something that part of one of the masterminds that I'm a part of is you join the mastermind and you have the person give a spiel, whatever it is, for 30, 45 minutes. And then you could have maybe 100 people or 30 people in the group. You, they'll break them out into little groups, into little breakout rooms of four to five people each one. So yeah. now you have real networking going on in those groups. So you can attend and have actual networking, yeah. you, which is the value of these events anyway. It's the networking. Like no, Not many people really go to the RIAs for the education that's being provided. They go for the networking that's available. Yeah, as you become more successful and learn more, it's like I still go to RIAs, but I go there yeah. to network. I don't go for the education, but it does bring in people for the education as well. It's like it's a kind of a melting pot of But you, you can do both. But my yeah. biggest thing is that where Zoom, I think, has a leg up, uh, over traditional networking is that traditional networking when you're in one of these places sometimes you see the people you want to talk to but you're kind of scared of approaching them or maybe they're surrounded by a bunch of other people but in these uh breakout rooms you're kind of put into the room with this person now well it's it's good for your your newbie over your experienced person like me being experienced like i don't want to be stuck in a big room i want to have the whole room to vi just visually see everybody got i'm yeah. going to talk to that person that person that person where you kind of get stuck, but you still do go because right now that's the only thing you got. It's like, yeah. like more and more people are watching more and more eyes are going digital uh, for sure. And I mean, you can kind of trail this into more people watching of like podcasts and yeah. where they're getting their entertainment and how they're absorbing information to where you have Joe Rogan. Uh, obviously we've talked about in the past. He left It's the number one podcast millions and millions of views in uh on his youtube channel for the joe rogan experience and he left california moved to texas and what's just crazy like the amount of wealth that he's created via that is like he just struck a five-year deal with spotify and it's rumored to be about a hundred million dollars a for, year for the five years for the five years that's uh, wow. so a hundred million dollars for five years but what did he do with that money, which I thought was crazy, is he just recently listed his Bell Canyon estate in California for $3.2 million. And I said, like, well, how do you go and spill it, spend $100 million? He's like, Joe Rogan has relocated to Austin, Texas in a mansion on the lake for $14.4 million. Jeez. That blew me away. I was like, $14 million? Like, Holy crap, you could buy one hell of a house in Texas for $14 million. Yeah. And uh, I think it was was like it's 10,890 square feet. The estate features 10 bedrooms, 10 bathrooms, and enough space to make his wish list of a ranch, comedy club, performance auditorium, and gun range a reality. Now, oh if, that's not, if, that, if that's not an upgrade, I don't know what is. To where he goes from $3.2 in California where he had a, a beach to view, but now he's got a lake view for 14,000,000 square foot house. It's like, good for you, Joe Rogan. Good for you. But he's oh like he one of the first to YouTube that kind of really made this after 10 years, 15 years of doing these podcasts. Like, he's made – quite a business about out of it because yeah. he does get a lot of eyeballs and he does get a lot of interesting people where mm -hmm. I don't watch very many of Joe Rogan's, but every now and then I do catch an episode and I am going to be sad to see him go to Spotify and leave YouTube. Uh, but well, and especially with Spotify con trying to control him and, 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 you know, limit what he can express and say, I think if Joe Rogan, if either Spotify doesn't smarten up or Joe Rogan doesn't leave, um, 
it's going to kill. I think it's going to hurt his brand substantially. Well, because they're starting to screen him. And that was one thing that made Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan is like, he said what he wanted to say. And that was that. But now he's sold out to where they're like, Oh, well people we're going to employees are like, we're going to go on strike unless you censor Joe Rogan. Like, well, that sucks. But it's probably one of the things that they saw that coming. And it was probably in the talks of, how this works where he'll probably rec- still record them. They just won't be live and they'll be released later on. Cause I don't see him. He obviously he's not going anywhere in five years to well, where this gives a great Avenue though. If that happens and Joe Rogan does go through Spotify and you won't be able to see his stuff on YouTube anymore. YouTube being the second largest search engine in the world. It opens up the field to a lot more people now, not man, not the whole world is not on freaking Spotify. Right, I don't have Spotify, so Joe Rogan being there, it's like, well, there you go. I'm not gonna go into you know a stupid platform that likes to control everybody. Yeah. Um, I like YouTube, so I'm not watching Joe Rogan anymore. Oh, I I don't. I don't watch pod. I don't use pod. I I have Spotify, but I use it for music. I don't use it for podcasts. I don't use it for stuff. But I think that's what they're trying to do is they're trying to expand their podcast platform, and they're trying to bring these people on to bring more market of that market share by paying exuberant amount well quote unquote exuberant amounts of money to somebody uh to bring it over but then what came out right shortly after was the howard stern uh aspect of it to where i didn't even know howard stern like was Was still still that popular Oh, oh yeah, well that's true. I don't know if he's still alive or not, something like that. But I remember seeing some of like his stuff like way back, like Ooh, 10, 15, Molly, 20 years ago. If you ago. don't have Spotify, according to John, you're a loser too. So yep, she uh, is. According to him, you know anybody <laughs> that doesn't sell out. Where I just blew me away when I saw this that I thought it was a typo mm-hmm. that like oh Howard Stern uh, and this what caught my eye is like oh headline reader what is this thing like his salary is ninety million a year. I was like, get out of here. 90 million a year for Howard Stern. Like, what is that dude doing that is worth that much value anymore? They call him like the king of meeting. I start reading into this thing. It's like, yeah, his salary was not only 90 million a year, but he's renegotiating his contract. And they're saying that he is actually underpaid on Sirius. Because apparently he has an exclusive contract with Sirius XM radio. Right. To where they're now making a case that he's worth $120 million a year. That's not over a period of time. That's a year. To where I was like, man, a lot of people be like really excited to make five hundred grand in a year. This dude is making $2 million a week. Yep. Over $2 million a week. To where it's like yeah, jaw-dropping. He, he's damn near like an athlete. Like these people oh, are no. being paid like athletes. Dude, he's making more than athletes. Usually yeah. athletes only make like 120 over four years or something. I would like to be curious to look that up to where, wow, we need a, one of those um, Kai from like Petrobeck. Yeah, we hey, need look somebody. that stat up real quick for yeah. me. So the highest paid athlete in one year, like I'd be shocked if I wouldn't be surprised if he paid, he's paid more than the highest paid athlete in one year. To where, well, I think back, uh, a year or so ago, the highest paid or before he retired was Floyd Mayweather. He was making just under a hundred million a year with two fights a year. He yeah. would make just under a hundred million. Um, and then you had, I think, like soccer players like Ronaldo and all those people. I'm just, I looked it up right now, and the top is Roger Federer. Federer, yeah, he's a tennis he player. Oh, he's a tennis player. One of okay. the best. Yeah, the, here's the top ten highest paid athletes list this year, and Messi is number three. LeBron James is still only number five. 
So Really? Even after helping LA win the title? Uh that's twenty twenty. I, I mean, heard that Molly's not, excited that um it doesn't, list their, it doesn't list their LA. salaries, but uh, those are the top 10 athletes. Yeah. So I'd be curious to know, like, what. No, but it's to your point, Series XM, like, who the hell still listens to Series XM? Oh, could you could pull it up? The stock price of oh, Series yeah. XM that I put on here. Like, how does. The, who watches Series XM that this guy is worth 100? Is it just Howard Stern? Yeah. I know it's not. Like, how much money does this company make that can afford this? Yeah, what was it? In the late 90s, it was trading at like the 50s, all the way up to like almost $60 a share. And now, and now it's, it's like, like five. Five dollars a share to work. And that's like, how is okay. he worth it? Yeah, how, yeah. How, or not, how is he worth it? Or like, how are they generating that much money off of him? Because you think, like, in business sense, if they're going to pay him $120 million a year, they're making. 250 yeah. 300 million off of him a year like what well who listens serious xm or like just the howard stern one show because like you think back in like 2007 uh or the early 2000s 2005 6 7 8 9 it was cool to have serious xm i remember getting serious xm you're like sweet i don't have oh, to yeah. listen to ads i got a I, it was it was, had a comedy channel it dude was awesome. i had this little antenna that i stuck to my car yep. i had a little thing that's uh it went to and then i had a tape disc that shoved into played over the car yeah. radio and like that was actually really cool and then when the cars came preloaded with that you're like oh damn this is before bluetooth you're like it's got Sirius XM and I got to pay an extra $50 a month for this thing, but it's worth it. I don't, I get to choose what I want to listen to. Huh. But now I, my truck is a 2010. It has Sirius XM and like, like, Oh, do you want the package? Like, no, I don't want the package. No. Like I've never even set a preset my last three vehicles. Yeah. Like, why am I going to pay for this to where that many people still watch Howard Stern and Sirius XM radio that they can get 120 million a year to where I saw Joe Rogan for hundred million for five years. I'm like, Man, good for him. Then Howard Stern comes out like, Joe, you got screwed. Well, I mean, we, we were, well, I mean, Howard Stern, I think, is also has a lot more. He's more of an OG than uh, Rogan is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it would Well, he been... was also on, what was it? Um, wasn't he on like America's Got Talent or something like that, too? He did a lot of TV stuff uh, as well. Yeah, but I mean, it's one of those things with Rogan that uh, it with uh, Howard Stern and everything is that this is setting that level. It's the same like I watch. Uh, I used to watch a lot of soccer, right? And you have players every time it, there's a new ceiling set. Yeah, pretty much. Well, no, no, a new floor set every time a player gets traded. So now with Howard Stern making you know a hundred and twenty million dollars a year or whatever he's getting paid now. Like you just set a new floor for a lot of people. If in a year Joe Rogan boosts up the viewers, the listenership to Spotify, I bet you he'll renegotiate his contract in a year. To well, it becomes that. It, it, it's that business decision. It's like, hey, I, I get I'm breaching the contract, but it's more worth me to fight you to get out of this contract oh, because yeah. you're going to lose more. The money's there. Yeah. To where it's like, dude, I'm worth half a billion well, and then somewhere even, to even where for spotify even though they're stupid to let their employees uh dictate you know that oh i'm gonna go on strike if joe doesn't take it back like peace i have plenty of people we're looking for jobs right now you know I, but anyway regardless of that you have spotify it's gonna be to a point where it's gonna make sense joe's gonna be like look how many more much revenue i brought well, in and that was 
you were basing my salary off of this level of revenue. Now I brought this level of revenue. I'm worth more. Spotify would be stupid not to want to renegotiate and be like, done, here it is, because he's bringing you the people. Yeah. Well, you it's, keep them excited. it's showing the shifting of times of where these things are going. It's going more digital. It's going more podcasts. It's going more uh, platform-based to where radio anymore, where somebody like says, oh, I want to go do a radio ad for real estate. It's like, don't. like you, it's Because it's still extremely expensive because they're still with the 20th century mentality yeah. that they have value. But it's like, they have value and it's just slowly going down to where they're going to need to adapt. Oh, we have Milton on here that he says, uh, my lady and I listen to the 60s on six, I guess, channel six on series all day. <laughs> well, um, my parents, like they, they still listen. To, uh, they, I think they still have some Sirius XM um, and listen to some stuff there too. AM radio. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Hey, obviously they're making money somewhere. It was just something that Howard Stern had heard of him in a long time. Sirius XM radio, barely heard of it. And now I read this article that this dude's making 120 million a year off of Sirius XM. And I, I thought I misread it. Like, wait, 120 million a year, yeah. a year? Yeah. not a, over a five years typo. Nope. No. It, He's it's crushing in, it. It's insane. Good for him though. Good for him. That's why, but, we're, that's why I, we're doing all these podcasts. We're trying to take, if I can get like, one percent of that, I'd be happy. One percent, <laughs> man. We're better than Howard Stern, right, people? Thumbs up, better. Yeah, like us, please. <laughs> uh, share. We need validation. So as we start wrapping up, um, oh, we have two remaining articles, but let's pick one. We have uh, let's do the voting on one. Voting, voting. Yeah, I just thought that was uh, crazy, just from our your experience uh, yeah. from Tuesday when it opened up, and to what I experienced yesterday when I went and voted, to where like how this is all going, yeah. um, and it was just the sheer numbers that is what's got me because all these polls are coming out trying to predict the elections and all this other stuff, but you got to ask like how accurate are these things to where by comparison on October 16th of 2016 presidential elections only had about 1.4 million votes. Uh, voters had cast a ballot. It's only 1.6 million by October 16th, October 16th of 2020 more than 10.6 million voters across the country had already cast their ballots as of Tuesday morning, according to the data from the U S election project to where it's like, this is early voting. Early voting. It's early insane. voting. We're here in Texas. It's we only, just opened up. It opened Tuesday. It's Friday. To where you uh, go ahead and explain what oh, you yeah. saw well, yeah. Tuesday morning. I mean, we have a library by my house, and I wanted to do some early voting as well because I don't like lines at all. Uh, I hate holiday shopping because of that, because it's like I see lines, and I just want to punch somebody. If there's two people in line at Star uh, Dunkin' Donuts, you just You like already said it. Two people in line. There's a line. Uh, it's not acceptable. <laughs> I can't walk up and get it right now. If I get Amazon Man, deliver my I, coffee, I've I'd paid for all the premium passes and every uh, attra uh, attraction place because I want to bypass the line. I will pay extra for that. I won't go to save money. So when I do go, I can pay that money yes, to get the express whatever pass. Whatever it is, I want express pass. And then when I'm in the express pass and I see a line, I go to the next ride. I don't like lines. That being said, I'm pulling past the, the library and I see a line kind of out the door. And I was like, oh, wow, that's, you know, it's like 20 people or so. I was like, damn, I didn't expect there to be a line. No, it wasn't 20 it was people. Line. That, that was just part of the line that was already feeding through the, that door. But the line was wrapping around the parking lot in between where the car lanes were because the parking lot was packed. 
There was wrapping around that way, wrapped around the little playground area. I came across. I mean, there had to been at least a couple hundred people, like, and there were more people parking in the neighborhoods and then walking, walking in. there. I was like, oh my god! It, <laughs> just, I it cracks me up because they said people were waiting in line for. I think this article said over eleven hours for in-person voting. Where yeah. I was like. People, this isn't Black Friday. We're all rushing to get that big screen TV from Walmart. Like the polls aren't going away. To where the way I do it, or is I found the local polling station and I drove by it. If the line was too long, I just kept on driving right. and go by twice a day, and I would just do it. And then yesterday morning, I happened to drive by, and the line only had maybe twenty people in it. I was like, all right, I'm gonna knock this out right now. Bring my book. I'm gonna read. It took me twenty minutes in and out. By the time I walked You're out, you're standing online reading a book. Yeah, just standing in line, just reading a book. What a nerd. <laughs> Oh, screw me for trying to, uh, to educate myself while I'm standing around. But by the time I left, it had wrapped around the building and the, the line had doubled. But yeah. it's just funny where it's like people are looking at this like, oh, my God, I got to cast my ballot before the polls don't let me go cast my ballot. Like here in Texas, it's open for like 16 days or something like that. Like wait it out. So I'm curious like if these lines continue that long all the way through. But I mean, now I don't care because I caught the break. I figured it was going to be that way where this line yeah. is going to continue to be long. And if it gets down to the very end of early voting, I just have to suck it up and go stand in line. But I caught uh, a or break not vote. Or, or not vote. That's terrible, John. You got I'm this is the first saying, year you get a vote. Hey, you have to go vote. I, I still don't like lines. <laughs> I hate Molly it says, that much. Molly puts, she's like, you will hate Disneyland. Well, first of all, I went to Disney World. I will not go to Disneyland. I it will not be those. the happiest place on earth for you. It, and <laughs> and when I went, I did get the fast pass and all that there. Come and back. It was so miserable. He can come back with less hair than he's got right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, is, it, it's it's just that yeah it's hilarious. one of those things that um i probably won't vote if it keeps that way so if you guys want me to vote hold the spot online well that's it uh valerius says they're even open on sunday and like yeah. i think this week they're open till 6 p.m like next week they're open till 8 and then they could keep extending it like there's gonna be there's gonna be plenty of time people it's impressive it, though, just, to, just, to, but to even consider like the amount of turnout it's already oh, happening that, like this, 10 times people are really coming out you know, and saying, like, we have an opinion that it needs to be heard now, you know, and they're not taking shit for granted anymore. They're not thinking that just because, let's say, Texas is a red state, it's going to stay red. Yeah. Or just because Texas is a red state, it doesn't mean they can't make it blue. Uh, I mean, well, we're not a red state anymore. We're, I guess, purple. I guess it's the image. It depends on what you look at. Well, I'm saying just the, the facts, but like 2018, you, it was still red. No, just facts. Um, no, to quote <laughs> to quote Mike Pence, that I thought best line. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm using that the rest of my life. But he said, "You have a you're, you're entitled, entitled to your own opinion, but not to your own facts." Yeah. I, I, as soon as I heard that, I was like, "That is definitely something John needs to wear." I dropped that on him yesterday um, because pretty much he every has day I opinions use that on him. all the time that he considers to be facts mm -hmm. so <laughs> it's weird how your name's john too quit talking about yourself but right. back to this where it just blew me away that it's like wow 10 times have already come out and voted That's and insane. but it's also it's no surprise that we're having this turnout considering like everybody's been stuck at home in the election like what are you supposed to do Is like the you, only time to socialize you, mean? you can't like <laughs> get away from it like i was talking with one of our friends the other day of like you can't 
say you can't you didn't know the elections were coming i mean you can't oh, use no. a digital platform an app a phone, like anywhere you go on google it's like they've made it so easy to register like if you didn't go out and register and vote it's like you just didn't want to do it like you made a distinct statement that says i'm not going to do it because it was literally everywhere well you and can't open up any do. social platform without getting no. that little banner at the top did you register go, go register here, here, go here. register go here everywhere. and like so it doesn't surprise me but then that's why everyone says oh look at the I polls i try to market as spam it won't let me <laughs> <laughs> because you thought oh they're telling me to go stand in a line not yeah gonna do screw it. that shit i'm milling in my boat too no, no. I mean, hey, it's up to you. Uh, you could claim psychological uh, issues with. Yeah, uh, I'm traumatized by the lines, and oh no, wait, we gotta use COVID as an excuse. Yeah, <laughs> you can probably get it. You can probably get but, a psychological note from your doctor saying that. So, oh, I can get a lot of those notes. <laughs> but there you have it, people. I mean, I, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. A lot of things going on. Like, if you didn't catch the beginning, make sure to go back. There's some good marketing tips in there for what's coming with the delinquencies um possible foreclosure short sales are definitely going to be the way to go if that happens so angie be ready angie yeah angie and stepstone realty make sure to check them out that's a brokerage that we're, uh, john has his license under they handle short sales and all that we we love the brokerage because they're they're investor focused i mean all their agents are investors so great brokerage to be a part of that's a little plug so i'll expect my commission check and um <laughs> but it definitely just uh all the links are going to be uploaded as soon as this live is over and if you're listening on podcast guys you want to attend live join the conversation you know give us your feedback your opinions how everything is going because uh it, we like having these conversations we like knowing what you guys are thinking um this is always our opinions on the news but we're trying to bring you what we consider to be somewhat unbiased as much as we can be but we are very biased in the sense that we like business we like our yes. freedoms. I like as a business, I like to be left alone to operate my business. So, you know, it is biased in that regard. But overall, it's our opinions towards our business and what we like and see coming. Yeah, we, we want the best thing for this. Um, Angie says she's so ready. Um, brokerage loves y'all and your checks in the mail. I promise. <laughs> don't trust um, the mail. I'm no, I don't mail checks anymore. Cause they've just tend to tend to Especially from like Austin to San Antonio. It takes like three weeks. Yeah. You can or walk never. it over quicker, but yes, subscribe, sign up, share with friends. If you found this valuable, share it with your friends. Uh, let them know about what we do. And hopefully this just helps everybody be a little more informed moving forward. And, a little less Agreed. pessimistic and angry towards everybody. I mean, there, there's always a silver lining to everything, but we got to take that silver lining ourselves. You can't expect the politicians to bring this to you. So if we do this, we affect the change that we want. So can't we all just get along? No, I want a little turmoil, but not that much. Well, Keep it fun. Get along so you can go stand in the line. No, stop it with the lines. <laughs> Thank you all for watching, and we will catch you on the next one. Bye-bye.